This podcast is brought to you by the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Clare Valley Podcast, bringing you all the latest council news from the Clare and Gilbert Valleys region. I'm your host, Annabelle Homer. In this episode, we'll bring you another profile on a council employee, those people that keep council's cogs clicking away. A few episodes ago, you got to know Sarah Zaromsky. Well, this month, you meet Sam Casey, the council's environmental health officer, the bloke who deals with wastewater treatment, uh, mosquito trapping to ward off Japanese encephalitis, and also health inspections at our local businesses. But first, let's get the latest from council headquarters with CEO Dr. Helen McDonald. Dr. Helen McDonald, thank you very much for joining me again for a wrap-up of the latest council meeting. And I understand uh, in the month of October, you all went to Tarlee to have your latest council meeting. We did. The lovely little township of Tarlee did a wonderful job of providing a meal to the councillors. We had the meeting in their gorgeous little town hall, which I've forgotten how pretty it is inside. And did you get many people from the community attending? Yes, there was actually a full gallery, shall we say. Not only people from Tali, but we also had a small delegation from Manura. They were doing a deputation, as was a small deputation, mostly from Clare, to talk about the Byzan clare engagement that happened recently, letting council know what happened during the time that the Japanese students were here. Is there anything to note from the Manura deputation? Yes, the council didn't make any decision, but the Manura Centenary Park organisation, or peak body, are looking for council to assist in funding the construction of uh, what they're calling a wellness centre. I think it's partly also a, a new set of change rooms. Change rooms they currently have for sporting activities are a somewhat aged, I think, and they don't have sufficient for when they have got visitors. That's my understanding from their presentation last night. How much money is Manure wanting to, to do this new uh, upgrade to the wellness centre? Uh, they are looking from council for about 90000 and they're looking at staging over three years, I think, and I think the total project cost was somewhere between two fifty and 300000 I think. So just to be clear, a wellness centre, you did talk about an improvement on the change rooms, but what else do they want to include in a wellness centre at Centenary Park? You know, things like massage rooms, indoor gym uh, activities or other fitness activities that can be held within a, a closed space as opposed to outdoor. So Okay, so similar to the YMCA, for example, in Clare. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not nearly as grand, um, I expect. Councillors will relook at this proposed project once administration has evaluated all the information and formed a report. The Clare Valley Wine and Grape Association has approached council to consider an application for Hallmark funding of $20,000 for the 40th anniversary of Gourmet Week next year. What did council decide? So council decided that it would support their request. The event has to be of a size to attract a particular number of people. So Mm. it's you know, a big event. Uh, over 1,000 event attendees, over 800 yes. bed nights. Exactly. And a substantial national, international profile. Exactly. So why does it have to go through council? Or why do you need council support for something like this? Well, it's unbudgeted. 
so we don't actually keep a budget line just in case. And it's not part of our strategic plan or core services or mandated services. Council really needs to make a decision about whether they think that this is a good thing to do for the broader community. So it's really um, very much a, a decision which is made in the interest of the broader community as well as the business community because this is actually the first one we've, we've done so we don't actually even have a set of precedents that we can look at so that's, oh this yeah. is the first first mm. time for a hallmark event exactly just to confirm council will fund twenty thousand dollars towards the 40th anniversary gourmet week Riverton Community Hall refurbishment consultation. There's been a few outcomes. I understand administration sought feedback from the community regarding individuals' preferred refurbishment option. I think it's A or C. What's the feedback that you received? The feedback was the preference was for option A, along with a significant number of comments that suggested that they'd been over-consulted, which was probably not unreasonable for them to make, because I think this is about the third time that we've been and asked them what they want. With it's not respect such a to bad them. thing, is it, really? <laughs> As opposed well, to under-consulted? Yeah, well, exactly, yes. Probably better to over-consult than under-consult. The trouble is if you over-consult, then next time you come to consult about something new, they might not participate. <laughs> And what to be clear, can't. the option A is what in particular? As a few people did mention, what's the difference? What is in option A is an upgrade of the existing kitchen, enclosing the veranda that runs on the outside from really the hall area to the kitchen and dining room, upgrading the inside toilets so that they disability or mobility friendly, an interior paint job, bifold doors also. 62 responses also from that consultation. When will refurbishments start to take place? Not for some time because there was no budget included for the detailed design for the Riverton Town Hall because we've got major structural repairs to do this year. So it was basically concept design for Clare Town Hall, structural upgrades to the Riverton Town Hall this year and then hopefully we'll do the detailed designs for the refurbishment next year and then potentially the year afterwards do the refurbishment works. Any update on the Clare Town Hall? So that was um, in Council's budget for this year and we uh, went out to tender for an architect to undertake that work to do a concept design. That tender was awarded to Brett Julian Architects and they'll be working with the Mayor and myself and our building inspector just to start that preliminary process of what is it that Council is looking to do with that Town Hall. Now behind that we've done a whole vision exercise for the town hall. So that's obviously a basis um, which we need to draw. And there's been some consultation around stage, etc. So that is something else that can be drawn upon. The architect is expected to finalise the concept design by the end of the year. Can we take a look at the latest rates and arrear figures? And considering the economic climate, is there more than usual ratepayers not paying their rates on time? Not substantially. It has gone up a little bit since last year. So I suppose you could say, well, there may be a little bit of 
pain in the community from the previous year and the movement from 22 to 23 was nowhere near as great as it was from 21 to 22. So uh, in um, October 2022, there were 551 ratepayers that had outstanding rates and the value was $504,066, whereas in October 2023, the actual number of ratepayers outstanding had reduced by 40-odd people. So it was 508 ratepayers, but the amount of rates outstanding had increased slightly to 519186 so you know, not enough movement to really give you any big indication of there being significant difficulties within the overall rate payer base in terms of impact from an economic circumstances. will be interesting to see what happens next year. I don't imagine things are going to get much prettier and you want to look at the number of rate payers or the value, but the value from 22 to 23 for residential didn't change a great deal. Uh, the big movement was really in commercial, so there was an increase in default on payments for commercial. And with those figures, those dollar figures, is that a concern to council or is that small small bickies in the scheme of things? Oh, well, nothing's ever small bickies, Annabelle. You know that. <laughs> Rate payers, hard-earned money. Obviously, we'd like to have no outstanding rates because if the rates are outstanding, that means there's not money that council has to use. But I suppose the bigger issue is if those numbers start increasing. Business model is based on there's going to be some people that default or don't pay. If people continue not to pay is that we can basically sell their property to recoup our costs. And in the time that you've been CEO with council... uh when was the, 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 the period where people struggled the most? Can you recall a time when things were quite tough and rates in arrears were quite high? Well, actually, when I first started, it was sh- pretty shocking. That wasn't because of what was happening in the community. That was because we didn't have a good system for chasing outstanding rates. So now we've got a, a much stronger and more disciplined approach to chasing outstanding rates. So when you say shocking, how shocking is shocking? Five, yeah, five, six, six years, years ago, ago, it was uh, well over a million dollars we had. So, so and we actually changed that really quickly because it was um, just a matter of basically saying to people, you know, we'll start legal action if you don't pay your rates. So I think we could say some people were using council as their bank by not paying their bill. So 2020 was the kind of peak and then it's been slowly declining. So hopefully it will, you know, arrest at some point. It won't keep declining. During COVID, tourism figures reached all-time highs across the valley and many parts of regional SA as our interstate and international borders were closed. But following COVID, this upward trend has taken a U-turn. Since 2020, tourism income has dropped by $20 million. Just go back to the financial year 2020-2021. There was a total income in that year of $172 million. There were 300,000 day trips and 282 overnight visits. I mean, there's more statistics we can look at, but if we just take those for now. And then you compare that to the following financial year, so 2021-22, the income was 152 million, so it's gone down. 
a bit. And so have the day trips, which go down to 239,000. And the overnight visits are also down at 196,000. They're heading back towards what the numbers looked like in 2019-2020, so pre-COVID or just pre-COVID. They're still higher than that, but they, they appear to be heading back down to, inverted commas, normal. It's a drop of yep. $20 million yep. in incomes since 2021. That seems quite significant. Is that significant? Um, I, well, I think it's reasonably, mm. yeah, it is. It um, certainly would be having having an effect on those people or uh, involved in the tourism or benefit from the tourism sector. And certainly 20, 2021 was basically the boom year. Also, attention businesses in the Clarion Gilbert Valleys area. How is the housing shortage impacting your business? The council will be issuing a survey to gauge how this issue is impacting staff housing and future staff employment. If we can understand what the need is, um, and particularly if it's impacting business, then there's the potential that um, we can get greater attention from the state government to assist in getting more houses built so that there's more rental properties available. In last month's podcast episode, we referred to the changing policy of the Australia Day Awards. Along with this change, it was also decided to have more council members involved in the selection process. Councillor Dave Wilson and Councillor Anne Alder were selected. Is there any update on the Stanley Flat Code Amendment? Last month's council meeting, there was a move to lobby state government to allow development to go ahead with a minimum block size of 8,000 metres squared to keep with the surrounding subdivisions and primary production zones. Is there any word back from the state government? We've heard from the state government, but interestingly, just as I was completing drafts of letters to go to the minister and others to indicate council's support for the Stanley Flat Code Amendment, a letter came from the Planning Commission stating categorically that the Minister will not be approving any rural living code amendments. And so any expectation that the original code amendment, which allowed blocks of up to 8,000 square metres for that particular project, just weren't going to be considered. So I suspect the letter was written in response to the lobbying that the community has been doing with respect to the Stanley Flat Code Amendment and the project area. So I suppose we can take it that the Minister is not for moving. <laughs> so is, you're not going to pursue it any further? Oh, no. Well, we've we've got a resolution on the book, so I am required to do what I can to fulfil the requirements of that resolution unless Council decides to uh, withdraw it. And so, yeah, we'll still send off those letters and make it clear, ensure that the Planning Commission and the Minister, etc., know what Council's position is, probably leave it at that. Helen MacDonald, as always, thank you very much for your time and keeping us up to date with the latest happenings with Council. You're welcome. Okay, let's pop behind the counter at Council, head to the back office and check in with the Council's Environmental Health Officer, Sam KC. Did you even know Council had one? In fact, did you know there are over 68 people working for Council, with 57 of them being full-time equivalent? That makes Council a significant employer in the district. Rates that fund Council employee salaries nearly all go back into the Clare and Gilbert Valley economy. 
Well, Sam is originally from Nepal and has been living and working in the Clare Valley for a year. He's been confronted with tasks he's never done before, but enjoys tackling the challenges the role brings. And though he's far from Nepal, the valley reminds him a lot of home. Enjoy getting to know Sam and what he does at council. I came here back in 2014 to do my master's degree in environment science. And then after I got my residency and then I did my environment health course uh, when there was a COVID, everything was locked down. And then I thought I should do something that has a job as well and job security as well. So yeah, I ended up doing finishing my degree in 2021. And then I got my royal, I work with Queensland uh, local government in Queensland. And then I worked nine months there before I joining this council. It's been a year already, so yeah. yeah. So was the idea to stay in Australia or to go back to Nepal? When I came here, we was my idea my was to just to do my study and go back to Nepal. I actually went back and worked for a while, for a year, just managed a project, environment project. And I thought, of, you know, things not going well in Nepal, so... The job securities and all of those things. So I thought, you know, I should get back. I got my residencies because I work there as well. And so that's the way it worked out to me. And yeah, going back to Australia, I mean, it's, it's an amazing country. And I got my citizenship already. So I'm a citizen, Australian citizen yeah. now. So yeah. And what do you think of the Clare and Gilbert Valleys area? Oh, to be honest, before this, I live in Adelaide for six years. Uh, before I move out and move to Queensland for a year just for a job role. But I've never been in Clare before. I've been to Barossa. You know, our families, relatives comes in to visit Adelaide. We take them to Barossa for a wine testing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but never been to Clare. And then uh, somehow there was a job role coming up here um, and I was desperate to move back to Adelaide. Uh, oh, uh, from Queensland. Yeah, yeah, from Queensland. My wife was here, so... I, and then this role came up and then, yeah, I applied and I got my role and and I love this place. I came here with my families, my wife, my wife's mom, and then they like this place. And this is more like Nepal, you know, hills, you got this forest, you know, just greeneries and everything's away from the city. It's more like Nepal. So I feel like I'm back in like a home. Why environmental health? What got you into that? Uh, yeah, I'm more like job. a very uh, like you know community person. So I like how the it's it's connected with the people's lives, you know, bringing changes in their lives through our health promotions. This roles comes with lots of delegations under different legislations. You work under a food act, you know, food business inspections, wastewater side, uh, swimming pools and spas, public spa inspections, warm water systems, cooling towers inspection. So you uh, inspect, you yeah, inspect a lot of facilities, lot of facilities. Right, and you head around to all the cafes in town uh, and make sure that their food is at a certain temperature. How often do you right. do that? We are far behind with the food subs because at the moment the priority is a wastewater system because it comes with the planning and development. So it's a part of this, uh, the planning and de- development approval. Because if the wastewater is not approved, then the whole the development will be on a hold. So we try to finish that stuff, and it makes me so busy these days. We are far behind the food business, but I'm trying to catch up. I'm trying at least a day 
in a week to spend with the food business. Since last year, probably 60, 70 businesses I've done, and we have 260 business. Bit of you know, gap in the last few years. So, so are most businesses doing the right thing? Most of them are doing a great stuff. Uh, they are very cooperative, I would say, because um, you know, when you have this gap between the council health officer and the business, and uh, it's been a gap for a while, and I'm trying to bridging this gap, and then you know, obviously, not many people are everything they need to do, and then we try to you know educate, give them substance informations, how to do things right. So, yeah, they are cooperative. Even there is something missing out. You know, they're given a chance to improve and then they're doing well, yeah. Mm. So you, the wastewater treatment um, side of things is what's really occupying you at the yeah, moment? Yeah, it's really occupying. It's different phases of, you know, before approval. So it does a bit of take uh, time to go through one applications. And we get around, last year I think we get 200 you got a house, a housing approval. That house comes with wastewater system as well. I got, you got to say it's, we got 200. For this year, we got oh, we were around like 50 already, 60 already. Is that something that you've done in the past in other roles? Or was this all very new no, to you? No, this was very new to me when I, got my, when I applied for this role. And they asked me, have you got an experience with wastewater? No, never done this one before. I was more into the food business when I was doing in uh, Queensland. I picked up things quickly. I mean, and then I'm into the fill. I'm so I'm doing great now. I I think so. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. So, what's your biggest challenge that you face with this role? Biggest challenge is because this role, as you see, there's different responsibilities, and this comes with different hats. And a moment you are a facilitator, like educator, and a moment you are like a regulator, you know, enforcing a the law. And it was just top part. I'm very soft, soft person. Try to give people more like a opportunities to you know work out. But sometimes you gotta be very strong. Mm-hmm. You gotta make things people doing the right thing so that it doesn't affect other people's in a community as a whole. So that's the top part for me. I enjoy things. Yeah, yeah you enjoy the challenge. Yeah, I enjoy the challenge. Yeah. yeah, I take the challenge. Yeah. What do you love about your job? Is the there thing any I aspect love about that you love? Is, uh, the way I engage with communities. My role is pretty much directly or indirectly related with their health. The satisfaction I get, I'm helping to, you know, safeguard the communities. I think that gives me a satisfaction and that's what I like about my job, yeah. So what's the plan? What's the end game for you? As you move to Australia, you've um, come from Nepal. Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? I'm in 10 years' time. I'm probably looking for managing a bigger team going to bigger council probably or and what's it like working for this council oh this council is amazing i mean the the team here they are amazing they welcome me so nicely i mean i never feel like i'm a newcomer very inclusive very much inclusive yeah mm. sam thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat to me and a little insight into what you do here and welcome to the clare valley look forward to seeing how you develop in your role here at council and also the the many prospects that can come from the role that you're playing at the moment. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me here and then thanks for welcome, sweet welcome. Thanks for, you know, giving me this opportunity to explain about what I do and then not many people understand what my role is. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Sam KC, Environmental Health Officer with the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council. 
If you'd like to keep up to date with the latest news and happenings at the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council, you can check their socials, Instagram and Facebook, or log on to their website. I'm Annabelle Homer. I'll catch you next time. This podcast was brought to you by the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council.